Lalo THR here. What's going down, everybody? I hope you're doing fantastic tonight. This is a late night edition of the Highlight Reel. This is the time that I that I can do this podcast, man. I got off work today. I ate, and now it's time for me to give it to you straight. We got a few things to talk about. I'm going to run down AEW Dynamite that popped off last night, and I'm going to run through it very briefly, guys. I'm not going to get super in-depth on all the matches, but I know y'all are waiting for me to talk about El Hijo de Vikingo and his grand debut taking on Kenny Omega in what was a match that certainly will not be forgotten for quite some time in spite of the fact that many people were uh, <coughs> criticizing this match altogether being made because it had no story to it, because it had no build. And I am one of those guys <laughs> who actually complain about matches being random, being thrown together with no build to them just for the sake of a good match. But when I read that El Hijo de Vikingo and Kenny Omega we're gonna have a match i said man take my fucking debit card bro take my savings account (laughs) take all my damn money i don't inject this shit into my veins bro i don't even care because for anybody that's never seen vikingo before you're in for a real treat and indeed they were then that's what they got but the match was a little flawed it wasn't perfect you know what I mean? It wasn't perfect. It was not without its flaws. And I'll get into that uh, in the Dynamite review. Before I before I uh, get to the review, though, and to some other news as well, I'm also going to talk boxing for this episode. Big fight going down this Saturday with David Benavides and Caleb Plant. They had the final press conference popped off uh, earlier today. And I'm going to get into that. But first, CM Punk has an AEW tirade posted to his Instagram story and deletes it like two minutes later after posting that update into his story. Now, fans, luckily enough, fans actually screenshotted this tirade. And I'm going to read it word for word and give you my thoughts. So let's let's go. This is CM Punk. And I don't know what he's replying to. I think this is a, a tweet by Dave Meltzer that he's actually replying to in this Instagram story. But I did not uh, look further into what Dave Meltzer tweeted. Um, you know, Dave Meltzer, quite frankly, doesn't really interest me all that much, even though he's like a humongous talking point in wrestling today in wrestling culture, especially when it pertains to AEW, especially. So I'm not sure, you know, for context, I don't know in, in this CM Punk tirade, but let's get into it, guys. CM Punk said, quote unquote, he wrote. Sigh, I wasn't cleared to come back yet. The plan was to wrestle at the pay-per-view. I sat and listened to Moxley's Rocky 3 idea. I explained how I'd never seen a Rocky movie. And I thought the idea sucked. But if the boss wanted to do it, whatever. He said he wouldn't lose to me. I'd never experienced someone refusing to lose to me. I just laughed. I asked Tony... 
if this was what he wanted, and he said yes. He's the boss. So I said, okay, but I need to be cleared first. They kept saying it could just be a squash, so I didn't need to be cleared. I scoffed at that. My health is more important. Dave Meltzer is a liar. Jericho is a liar and a stooge. There were plans, but plans always change. But I'll never put a company above my health ever again. End quote. I'm, I'm just waiting for somebody on Twitter or Reddit to be like, it's a heel turn, guys. Here we go. <laughs> CM Punk building to a heel turn on his way back to AEW. Guys, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the biggest CM Punk fans ever. I, I was crying CM Punk fan. <laughs> Incidentally, I thought you knew. I was crying CM Punk fan. But... I'm done with CM Punk, guys. I'm done. Work or not, shoot or not, I'm done with CM Punk, bro. The guy is a fantastic performer. In fact, one of the best performers, I think, personally. Um, But clearly, from a professional standpoint, like this, this kind of stuff right here isn't professional. It's not, you know, it's not professional. What he did at the media scrum was not professional. You know, even if some of the things he said had some merit to them, you know, I work with fucking children, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. Perhaps, hey, he's not necessarily wrong in what he's saying. Jim Cornette will tell you, (laughs) but... But that's not the time and the place to say something like that. Then you fast forward, you know, several months later and, you know, you get this Instagram story when people are actually expecting him to make a comeback of sorts with AEW, which I never understood how that was going to be a thing because I said it in in previous episodes of the Highlight Reel. I just don't see how CM Punk could be received in the same nature that he was received before by not only the fans, but by his peers, by the boys in the back. You know, clearly there's some heat between him and Jericho, um, which I don't even know how that's a thing. Like, what what, what does Chris Jericho got to do with any of this shit? You know, I don't I don't know if something happened between them back in the day at WWE that could that could perhaps be a thing that I that we all just don't know about. But man, CM Punk at this point, man, it's becoming clear that Punk is just difficult, bro. He's just difficult. Like like in the workplace, it, you know, I mean, look at him in Cocabana, the best of friends. Cocabana, dude, CM Punk vented to him on the podcast, and Cocabana even said it, which is kind of cringeworthy now. It's kind of awkward now to go back and hear it, but but Cocabana said, "I'm on Team Punk forever." Like you got a good road dog like that, and and then you're gonna turn around and bury him at a media scrum. Who cares if y'all had a falling out? You don't bury somebody like that. Oh, he shares a bank account with his mom. And this and that, like, I, I lost all respect for Punk, bro. I gotta be honest. 
And I and I was a huge punk mark. When he made his debut on Rampage, the first dance, it it it, it was one of the greatest moments of all time, man. And I hate the fact that he's kind of tarnished that moment, at least for me. I can't speak for everybody else, but for me, that moment is kind of tarnished. You know, I've I've watched I've rewatched that clip so many times, man, of CM Punk debuting at Rampage. I would play it sometimes when I'm feeling kind of off, like I need a quick pick me up. I need something to put a smile on my face. I would play it. You know, CM Punk coming out and doing that dive in the crowd, and and then me crying, CM Punk fan in the stands. <laughs> I didn't have a tan that night. Nah, man. Um, I, I've lost all respect for CM Punk, bro. This this story right here isn't even the nail in the coffin for me. I have an episode titled CM Punk is Done. Y'all can listen to it. This, pod, this podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on various other platforms for podcasting um it's an episode one a, a very recent episode too not too too long ago called cm punk is done and um you know i really believe that because even if he does somehow come back to aew i just don't see i don't see him getting received either as a baby or as a heel because I think the crowd is just going to be completely turned off to Punk. You know, most of AEW's fans are smart marks. They know what's going on. A lot of them. The majority of them, let's just say. They're, they're all internet fans. They're all on the Reddits. They're all on the Twitters. They're all in the IWC stuff. So they know all about this. You know what I mean? And, and I just don't see Punk, you know... Being received in any kind of way, whether as a heel or a babyface. And and I thought, you know, if Punk and Kenny Omega could have a match at All Out, you know, that would be big business. That would be the greatest main event of all time. But, you know, you see stories like this on his Instagram. I, I just don't see CM Punk really wanting to... To play nice with others, man, you know, to bury the hat, to be a man and, and just act like a grown adult, man. You got something to say, go say it to somebody's face. Like, now he's talking about Moxley not wanting to lose to him. Like, bro, he lost to you at the pay-per-view <laughs> where you re-injured yourself. And now, now you want to say, oh, well, I wasn't cleared during the squash Wait, which he didn't even do nothing. What, he ate a, a Death Rider or Paradigm Shift? That was it. Come on, man. He didn't even do nothing. That, that shit was like a three-minute squash. There was, <laughs> there was no way your injury could have been aggravated in that three-minute squash. It didn't even break a sweat, bro. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I think I'm done with Punk, though, man. And, and it hurts to say that for me because I'm one of the biggest CM Punk fans out there. I really am. But when I see stories like this, it just it shows a whole nother layer to somebody. You know, you think you know somebody, but you really don't. You know, we got to remember that these these are professional wrestlers. And they're um, they're playing a character on TV, but you don't really know who they are backstage. And when they get, you know, into their car and drive back home and who they are behind closed doors, you never know, y'all. 
You never know. Um, I mean, we you might get an idea with AEW All Access reality show coming out. <laughs> I don't even think that's going to really show anything. Um, man, I would love to be a fly on the wall during the brawl out situation, man. Like, not even during the fight, but I mean, like, to be a fly on the wall in the elite locker room when CM Punk <laughs> was talking out of pocket, going off. At the scrum, I would love to see what the Bucks and Kenny Omega and everybody for that matter, everybody else. If I could be like, you know, seven simultaneous flies, you know, recording all the shit. <laughs> it's tremendous, man. What a piece of work this guy is. I don't know, man. I don't know what to say anymore. You know, I, I pretty much punk is. uh He's done. He's done. Uh, but speaking of done, let's get into the AEW Dynamite review for Dynamite that popped off last night. The show opened up with the Bucks being taken away in an ambulance uh, with a distraught Adam Page who rolls with them in said ambulance. This is a a very unique way to open up Dynamite. Um, it's the first time, if, if, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time they ever opened up the show with... Uh, a pre-taped package, you know, a pre-taped uh, incident going down in the back and outside in this case. Excuse me. Um. So, yeah, hey, you guys wanted storytelling. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's been the big uh, talking point lately for AEW. Um, and the discourse would continue into tonight's main event or last night's main event with El Hijo de Vikingo. And uh, Kenny Omega duking it out uh, and for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> it's just because Tony Khan called it a dream match. I'll get to that in a bit. But um, I don't know, guys. So the Young Bucks being taken away in an ambulance. So this is supposed to, I be presumed that uh, the Blackpool Combat Club is behind this assault. I'm, I'm uh, presuming. So... They're really trying to take it to the next level with this feud, but there could be some plot twists. There could be some swerve. What if it was, what if Don Callis set up the Young Bucks, which could play into the main event and his shenanigans in the post-match of that, which I'll get into later. Who knows? But this is storytelling. This is what y'all wanted. You know what I mean? Um, be careful what you wish for <laughs> in some cases because I don't know, man. Um, you know, the Bucks and, you know, getting taken away in the ambulance. It just didn't look very believable to me. Um, so that wasn't a good way to set the tone for the show because that, that whole bit just, it wasn't believable to me. I was just like, come on, man. Really? Really, bro? Um, Orange Cassidy, Darby Allen, and Sting take on... The Butcher, The Blade, and Kip Sabian. And they justified this match by showing a clip of The Butcher and The Blade attacking Darby Allen at the AEW House Show, AEW House Rules event. And I think that's a good idea to try and utilize the house shows uh, to build to matches and to build storylines and other things to, to try to make them relevant, I guess. Um, you know, that's the kind of stuff they should be doing with Rampage, <laughs> not untelevised house shows, but nonetheless, be that as it may, I still think that's a, that could be useful. You know, stuff like this could be useful. It actually, um, kind of, uh, made me go like, aha, uh -huh. you know what I'm saying? Like, 
Aha. Like, all right, all right. They're smart. They're gonna they're gonna try to use these house shows uh, to build, and um, that could be good. Guys, I'm gonna go over Dynamite very brief, guys. I'm not gonna be uh, go in depth in these matches. Like in this one here, I'm gonna tell you Sting picked up the victory, nailing Sabian with the Scorpion Death Drop for the pinfall victory. What a legend Sting is! And it has been reported that. Sting wants to retire this year officially. I guess he doesn't even want to be an on-screen presence anymore, um, even just walking out to the ring. He wants to completely retire from professional wrestling, a la the great Muda, who has done the same recently. Sting was in Japan for that, and Muda is being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame as well. Um, very good timing there on WWE's part. So I guess this is like a beginning of sorts to Sting's retirement, you know, his little path to retirement this year. He is like 14 and oh, I believe I read today. Um, so it remains to be seen who his last match will be against, if there will be a last match or if he'll just have some kind of send off. That's something that's not. You know, a lot of people are speculating he's going to wrestle Darby Allen for his last match. And it'll be a passing of the torch. But, um, you know, it's not... Don't take it for granted. Like, it's it's not a guarantee that he'll even have a last match, quote-unquote. Like, you know, I, I personally would be content if they just did a send-off for Sting. Because a dude with his status, he's an icon. He, he really is. You know, that's his, his alias. But he really is... Uh, one of the top contributors of this business. Everything he did for WCW, um, his feud with Ric Flair, um, his feud with the NWO, you know, everything he's done in his career, man. And, um, you know, he, just a good send off for him would be great, you know. Um, Kip Sabian, <laughs> he, he has a really good look about him. I just, I just really wanted to say this. Like Kip Sabian has a great look about him, um, and and I, I'm not sure if I've paid attention to him cutting promos before. I'm sure he has. I know he's he's had a deal with Penelope Ford. I think they're like a real life couple or something like that. Him and Penelope Ford, um, and both of them together look good. Um, but they're not really doing nothing with Kip Sabian. I don't know if he's. Uh, I guess I should have paid more attention to his in-ring work here, because uh, he does have a great look. And I know that he had some business with Orange Cassidy. They alluded to it in this matchup. Um, obviously, Kip Sabian was wearing a paper bag over his head <laughs> for several months, sitting out in the crowd, um, kind of stalking uh, Orange Cassidy until they finally had a match for the All-Atlantic title, as it was then called, now the international title. Uh, which Kip Sabian lost. So, um, yeah, man, I don't know. I just wanted to say that. I, I really don't have any point to make here. I just <laughs> I just wanted to say Kip Sabian has a good look about him. Um, and it's a shame that he's, uh, you know, he's in the shadow realm, bro, like a lot of others. He's, he's not getting any play here. Um, you know, he's the one that got hit with that scorpion death drop and got laid to pastures by sting but i'm sure that was an honor for him so there you have it the aew world tag team championship pops off as top flight and the gun club duke it out and 
I want to say that the guns are are a tag team that I I had a lot of invested interest in in the beginning. I said they had potential, um, but they shouldn't be tag champs. They really shouldn't. Um, they look a lot like their pops, man. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. They look a lot like their pops. It is uncanny. Um, but they should not be tag team champions right now. They're very green. Um, and even in like in this in this match with Top Flight, they look kind of sloppy. Um, pretty much, the tag team division pretty much has fallen off, man. I don't know this this, this tag team division was so hot last year, and um, it's just fallen off. But the Guns would pick up the victory with some shenanigans caused by the Kingdom. ROH guys that, that did a run in, but the real story is in the post match when FTR would come out and confront the young champs. The guns were being obnoxious, man. I I, I kind of tuned out of this promo. I gotta be honest. Uh, the guns they were just hooting and hollering, screaming and shit, bugging out. I, I that it was getting on my nerves. I could not tune into this, um, but. FTR challenge them for the tag straps and are putting their AEW careers on the line. If they lose, FTR will quit All Elite Wrestling. And this is a... Uh, this is really interesting for a number of reasons, but obviously the main one is that as I mentioned in the previous episode, you know, FTR, they are um, on the verge of exiting AEW, it would appear. They've, they've seemed to be disgruntled talents for the longest time. Um, and now they come up with this stipulation out of the blue, you know, after making their return at Revolution. Hey, if we lose, we'll quit AEW. But on the flip side... This could be AEW's way of making you think that that's what's going on here. That they're pretty much setting up their exit out of the company. And that way when FTR actually beat the guns and become tag champs again, it'll make the moment all the more like iconic. You know what I mean? Two guys that we expected to jump ship, to abandon ship, end up becoming the champs again and carrying that torch like they rightfully should. FTR are already one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Um, that's real talk. What happened to the Acclaim, man? <laughs> that's what I want to know. What happened to the Acclaim? Um, that, that's crazy, man. I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just crazy. But anyway, FTR versus the Gun Club. Double or nothing going down. Um, we'll have to wait and see what happens, guys. If FTR leave AEW, I'd, I'd be willing to bet money that they are going to WWE. I've already said that uh, a few times already. Um, they, they, they keep saying that they're going to just probably work the indies for a little bit. Um, like they're going to rest and then go back on the indies. But I, I see them going straight to WWE if they do leave AEW, which it's looking pretty likely at this point. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. Hook versus Stokely Hathaway. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bro. Stokely Hathaway's entrance. <laughs> That's the entrance of the year, man. He, he, he looked like... He was a nation of domination for Rook. 
or he was trying to cosplay <laughs> as, as Nation of Domination Farouk or something. <laughs> Ron Simmons. Damn. Oh, man. You know, this match right here, it, I feel like this was supposed to be on the house show, bro. On AEW's house show. As a matter of fact... The bulk of this AEW Dynamite, I gotta be honest, this, like this whole episode of Dynamite kind of felt like it was supposed to be a house show. Or it's like unused material from the AEW House Rules show, like like rough drafts that didn't make Tony Khan's cut. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot like this, this right here, come on, man. Hook versus Stokely Hathaway. I mean, it was entertaining, you know, Hathaway... Uh, his entrance was tremendous, and then when he gets in the ring, he announced that <laughs> not only is he not cleared by a doctor to compete, he's formally announcing his retirement <laughs> from in-ring competition. He never ever had a match before, as far as I know. Um, and then he hands Dapper Yapper Justin Roberts the note, the doctor's note, to make it official. And Justin says, "All due respect." This is a receipt from Wingstop, bro. <laughs> so needless to say, Hook, he, he he just he picks up the victory, man. He just mashes through Stokely Hathaway, hits uh hits him with the Tazplex on a steel guardrail that just so happened to be sitting under the ring. I guess they need to have spare guardrails in case, you know, <laughs> one of them guardrails uh malfunctions. And um, he made Stokely tap. Uh, he made Stokely tap out using the red rum submission hold. And um, like I said, man, this this whole match, this this whole card, kind of felt like something that was supposed to be on house rules. Uh, but especially this match, Adam Cole would cut an in ring promo and basically just to set up his opponent for his first match back in several months, and it is to be Daniel Garcia. Who is next in line to uh, get some sunshine with Adam Cole. Garcia versus Cole on Dynamite next week. And this is... This is the Dynamite, I believe, that's going to uh, precede the all-access reality TV show that's going to debut following Dynamite. This is a good match back for Adam Cole, I think. You know what I mean? I think it's smart to put Adam Cole in with somebody like Daniel Garcia, who's really grounded. Uh, he doesn't do too many crazy stuff. You know, he's a pretty basic wrestler, honestly. Daniel Garcia, he's, he's a technical dude. He's a he's a grappler. He's a mat guy. Um, he doesn't do too much high spots and, you know, crazy shit. So, you know, for Adam Cole's first match back, I think that was a smart play for Tony Khan to book this one. Um, it should be a solid match, and um, Adam Cole, of course, gonna get that W, and um, hopefully Adam Cole gets back into the thick of things, man. I, I feel like the Owen Hart Cup tournament, or the Owen Hart Foundation tournament, whatever they called it, um, last year, I feel like it didn't really do any favors to Adam Cole and Britt Baker, and I, and I said that they didn't need it. Like, those tournaments should have been won by some new booties, you know what I'm saying? Some new booties in the game who could have used a nice little rub. Because, yeah, I mean, and, and that, that whole tournament just feels so irrelevant. You know, like it feels like unprestigious. 
And that's not how that tournament should have been, you know, made to look. I don't know. It should have been much more extravagant, really. So we'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens, though, with Adam Cole, man, in this next chapter in his AEW career. Speaking of next chapters, Stu Grayson versus John Moxley. And I mentioned it in the last episode, man. I'll, I'll mention it again. Stu Grayson, to me, is like pretty much the only guy in the whole Dark Order faction that actually looked like a real athlete and that had potential to do something big or, or you know something solid have a solid run in AEW so I'm happy to see him back that's why I was surprised that he you know when he walked away last year and and you know uh didn't continue on with AEW I don't know I don't know what happened with that I'm actually genuinely curious about that maybe Stu Grayson um thought the grass was greener on the other side <laughs> I don't know but um John Moxley would get the win with a Death Rider off the top rope here. And this is just continuing to play into this uh, Blackpool Combat Club heel run they're going on. As they're going to look to smash on Adam Page in the Dark Order at double or nothing it would seem. Um, only time will tell. But again, like I said in the last episode, uh, the Dark Order is a pretty irrelevant group. So it's hard for me to get invested into this. It really is. And um, I really think John Moxley should change his theme song. Because that, that Wild Thing theme song, it's a good song. But it doesn't fit him. It didn't fit him when he was a babyface. And now that he's supposed to be a heel, it, it doesn't fit him. It feels even more out of place than it did before. Um, and not, not, not that unscripted violence would be good for him now as a heel either. I think they should come up, they should come up with a theme song for the Blackpool Combat Club as a group. I don't know if they ever did. Um, you know, even when William Regal was there, I, I just remember them always coming out to Wild Thing, you know, with John Moxley leading the fray. Um, so I think, I think, um, they need to contact Mikey Ruckus, man, and he, he needs to work his magic and come up with a new theme song for John Moxley or for the Blackpool Combat Club, at least, uh, you know, as a heel stable, um, they should have a much more ominous, much more cold, you know what I'm saying? Kind of theme song, because Wild Thing just ain't it right now. It's even worse than like Chris Jericho still coming out with Judas, you know, even though he's supposed to be a heel. It's worse than that even because at least Judas, it's the song that's over. You know what I'm saying? Um, but here it's just, I don't know. It's just a whole nother complicated issue here with, with um, the theme song and Blackpool Combat Club. Let's move on. Sky Blue and Tony Storm had a match. Storm defeats Sky Blue. Um, I, I honestly didn't pay attention to this match, guys. I gotta be quite honest. I kind of tuned out. Um, this, this episode fell off, man. And that's, that's what I mean. It's like, I, I've said this before. AEW Dynamite, sometimes they'll put on a good show. Sometimes they'll have a string of good shows. Like the, like, they'll have like three banger shows. And then they'll have like a weak-ass show that just feels out of place that feels like i don't know that like maybe tony khan was wasn't feeling good that day <laughs> when he wrote the show i don't know but um 
Sky Blue, she she always comes out with a big old smile on her face, even though she's about to get squashed. In spite of the fact that she's like she's supposed to be a jobber, but she's like more over than a lot of the women on the roster, especially when they're in Chicago. You know, she's a Chicago native, um, and she's she's very popular <laughs> in the IWC. But nonetheless, Tony Storm would defeat Sky Blue. The Outcast would come out in the post match, do a do a beat down and attempt to tag an L um, on Sky Blue until Riho and Willow Nightingale run in for the save. And Riho just looks ridiculous, man. I, I know, you know, like it, you cannot say nothing negative on the AEW subreddit, but especially like against Riho. I mean, oh man, that's a can of worms. I don't even want to open up. <laughs> you say anything negative about Riho on the AEW subreddit. I mean, I'm surprised I didn't get banned, dog. Like, they'll downvote the shit out of you. Um, <laughs> oh, man. I don't even know if I'm going to upload this episode. I'm so tired. But uh, <clears throat> Riho just looks ridiculous, man. You know... Kenny Omega wrestled a nine-year-old girl in Japan like many, many years ago. Um, maybe a decade ago now, actually. And when I first seen Riho, um, when AEW debuted and they were about to crown the first women's champ, I, I legitimately, I'm not even trying to be funny here. I legitimately thought that maybe Riho was that nine-year-old little girl <laughs> that Kenny Omega wrestled. Um, all those years ago, you know, so I kind of wanted to get into Riho because I'm like, oh, that's a history there. Maybe that's her, huh? That's that little girl that Kenny Omega wrestled in Japan. And, um, and it's not, incidentally, it's not. But the point that I'm getting at is, bro, Riho doesn't look that much bigger than that nine-year-old little girl that Kenny Omega wrestled in Japan like a decade ago. I'm sorry, man. Riho does not... She does not belong in a wrestling ring. If you want her on the wrestling show, make her a backstage interviewer, um, you know, for the Japanese talent during the Forbidden Door. Like, she... Look at her. I mean, bro, she looked like the Bride of Chucky out there, bro. Like a Japanese Bride of Chucky. I mean, I don't I don't know, man. I, I, I know that she's been suffering from, like... Like bullying, I think, on Twitter. Like, there's this thing that went around that she deactivated her Twitter account. And then guys like Jim Cornette were trending. <laughs> and other pundits. You know, like, uh, a lot of the fan base um, coming out to defend Riho. Thinking that she deactivated her account because she's tired of the criticisms and, and what people say. So, I, I do feel bad. Like, I'm not trying to hurt nobody's feelings, but... I mean, I'm just calling it how I see it. Riho does not look the part, man. I cannot take anything she does serious. And she's running out there with a fucking big-ass lead pipe that's as big as her. (laughs) It looks so ridiculous, man. Um, It's just so ridiculous. And, And, you know, Willow Nightingale and Sky Blue, they're both better than this. You know, uh... I know that this is just a feud for the outcast to hold them over until double or double or nothing where they will most likely face off against Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker um, and probably 
uh, you know, a, a third. I don't know who knows who the third person will be in that, but but yeah, Riho is just I, oh man, I cannot tolerate this chick, bro. It just it, it looks it's 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 really ridiculous. The visual of Riho in a wrestling ring carrying a lead pipe, bro. Like <laughs> this shit looks like a cartoon, man. You know what I'm saying? Like a Saturday morning cartoon. Like she a Powerpuff girl. What the fuck? I don't know, man. Uh, moving on. Let's let's get to the main event. What y'all been waiting for? Kenny Omega, El Hijo del Vikingo, his grand debut in AEW, and there was. A lot of controversy with this match to begin with, with a lot of people kind of, you know, criticizing the lack of story, the lack of build, just another match, you know, for the purpose of a, of a match. And and I'm one of those people, I didn't criticize this particular match, but I'm one of those guys who have criticized AEW in the past for random matches. But when this match was announced, man, oh man, I... <laughs> <laughs> I was I was super excited. I was super hyped. And um what do you want me to say? This match was it, it was like watching a video game, bro. I mean, Vikingo, he's a a crazy luchador. Like he's um he gives me Rey Mysterio vibes in how when you first seen Rey Mysterio for the first time in the 90s and early 2000s, you were like, "Damn, man, this dude is doing stuff that I never seen before." And that's the same exact thing Vikingo does. I mean, he, when you're talking about doing a front flip into a, a Hurricane Rana off the top rope, like, it's just crazy, you know? I mean, the 630s and, and all these crazy things. And, like, what I love about Lucha Libre and Luchadores like Vikingo is that they're so smooth with it, bro. They're so smooth. You know, it's like Pentagon when he hits them uh, Canadian destroyers. He he does it the best. You know, he does it so smooth. Nobody could touch him. And like Vikingo, he, he his body looks weightless when he flies into the air. It's, it's something to see. But the, the match was sloppy. He was nervous. He was... Uh, you could tell. I could see it in his eyes, man. He was super nervous. I could tell. This was a big spotlight for him, a big stage. And he really wanted to leave an impression on the American audience. And I and I think and, and I think that is actually what dragged this match down a bit because he really tried to get all of his shit in. Like his entire arsenal. He got in in this match because he really wanted to leave an impression. You know, obviously, there's people in WWE watching, man. There's people in other places watching. And um, and this was his moment to take advantage of that. And, um, man, he, he practically did his entire moveset, his entire arsenal. And I don't think that's a good thing to do because you want to leave the people. Like, what else is he going to do? You know, if you want to see Vikingo again, what else are you going to see? What else can he possibly do? He practically showed you everything that he can do. Um, I, I mean, I don't know what could be better than, you know, some of the shit he did in this match. He looked like Spider-Man, bro. <laughs> That's what I told my lady. I, I, I text my lady. I'm like, hey, Spider-Man was in the main event of Dynamite. 
<laughs> real life Spider-Man. If you told me this man got bit by a radioactive spider, which gave him crazy powers to fly around and shit, I would believe it. Because Vikingo, he, uh, that's Spider-Man, bro. <laughs> that's a Viking Spider-Man. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, Omega would win this match via the one-winged angel. And in the post-match, Don Callis antagonizes Adam Page, uh, who would make his way to the ring. And um, Adam Page was uh, trying to save Kenny Omega. They're trying to align again. They're trying to get back together. And it seems like Don Callis is, is causing a wedge. He's trying to cause a wedge between these two. And perhaps he's the reason the Bucks got attacked earlier. Maybe he set them all up. This is some kind of scheme. I don't know. Something fishy about Don Callis. What is he up to? What's he got going on here? Um, so Kenny Omega and Adam Page, they continue to have apprehension it's on the part of Kenny Omega. You know questioning adam page's loyalties when don Callis threw himself on the floor making kenny omega think that uh, adam did something to him hurt him slapped him around <laughs> you know what i mean on some eddie guerrero light cheating steel type of deal um and that's interesting i mean you know it's it, it, it this episode of dynamite wasn't very good but um, that main event and then the storytelling you got continuing in the post-match. I mean, that's exciting for AEW. You know what I mean? Those are those kind of things. It's those little things that make it exciting. And I'm looking forward to uh, where this goes and how it goes, how it plays out. But all in all, man, uh, this episode of Dynamite felt like unused house rules material like this was one big house show it really did feel like that or like a tribute show of some sort like i don't know something just wasn't hitting for this aew dynamite if you know compared to last week which was a fantastic show um then you get this show and it just felt like a dud in spite of that spectacular main event i mean in a word i mean that main event that was spider-man bro in that main event but in spite of that, this show just didn't hit for me. It really didn't. I guess because I, I, I was still high from the previous episode. So this one didn't really hit for me. But uh, before I get on out of here, guys, I'm going to talk about Trinity Fatu. Also known as Naomi, or should I say formerly known as Naomi, who... Says she is no longer with the WWE. Naomi hasn't been seen on WWE television since May 16th, 2022. That was the night Sasha Banks and Naomi chose to walk out of the show even though they were advertised for the main event of that edition's Monday Night Raw. Um, they would consequently be suspended and the duo have not been seen in WWE ever since. Sasha Banks would go on to become Mercedes Monet um, and become the IWGP Women's Champion in NJPW. While it remains to be seen what's on the horizon for Trinity Fatu. I said it, man. I said it in, in uh, you know, during that time last year when they walked out and everything. I said it that I I, I feel bad for Naomi because Sasha. 
she could do whatever the hell she wants. She could she could go back to doing film, you know, Mandalorian and other roles. I'm sure she would be offered and she's a beautiful woman. She could model. She there's a lot of things she could do, but Naomi, <laughs> I said it. I said it. Um Naomi's the one that's gonna, you know. Face the consequences, face the music. And uh I don't know, man. Um, can we see Naomi in AEW? <laughs> Maybe she ends up in AEW with Mercedes Monet and they um, you know, Tony Khan will probably uh is crazy ass, man. He'll he'll take a bump of some of that soda and introduce women's tag team championships <laughs> and put it on them. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord <coughs> no i wish i wish naomi the best um you know she's a talented woman man you know she's a really good dancer and i remember back in the day when she would come out with um well cameron as part of the funkadactyls during uh What's his name? <laughs> he goes by Tyrus now. He goes by Tyrus now. But what was his name, man? Oh, man. I can't believe I'm forgetting. From Planet Funk is where he was built from. And then he formed a tag team <laughs> with Prince Albert. And they called them Tons of Fun or something like that. <laughs> Brodus Clay. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, this clay, bro. When Naomi would come out and do that dance with Cameron during Brodus Clay's entrance, oh my lord, that was that was good television, y'all. That was that was really good TV. Um, so the point that I'm getting at, I, I'm, I'm just saying, she's a she's a very talented woman. She could dance, you know. She could be a dance choreographer, you know. That's big, you know. Um, you know, she's she's a very talented individual. And I wish her the best in her future. But before I get out of here, I'm going to talk about David, the Mexican monster, Benavides, taking on Caleb Plant. The final press conference popped off today. Has my prediction changed? This is what I really wanted to talk about because I got to tell you, man, this press conference here. Not that it necessarily swayed my opinion on how this fight's going to go. But Caleb Plant, I see it in his eyes. He really is very confident. And he has no fear. I thought he was actually kind of fearful, kind of intimidated. But in this press conference here, um, his eyes, bro, he looks fucking focused. And he looks ready to smash on David, bro. He looks really confident. And David, on the other hand, his demeanor has changed in this final press conference. You know, I mentioned it in Highlight Reel episode 96, I believe. I mentioned it that, you know, uh, Benavides had like this unnecessary hostility, you know, just, just talking way out of pocket, him and his pops, you know, which even kind of made me want to root for David Benavides. But uh, in, in this press conference here, he didn't have that same energy. 
I mean, he was still saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to knock you the fuck out. I'm going to break your fucking jaw and this and that. But uh, he wasn't he wasn't getting live like he was in the previous press conferences. You know what I mean? Like he, he wasn't just shouting and hooting and hollering. You know what I mean? He was a lot more tamed. I don't know if maybe somebody talked to him, though. Now that I think about it, maybe like <laughs> maybe Showtime were like, hey, man. You know, we're trying to sell pay-per-views, but you don't got to act like that, bro. You know, keep it classy. This is this is a big stage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like don't don't be doing all that, man. You don't have to. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. But I will say, you know, David's change in demeanor could also mean that he is razor-focused as well. To the point where he don't even want to. He wants to let his fist do the talking at this point because he's just ready. You know what I mean? I'm so excited for this fight, man. This is going to be a bomb-ass fight, guys. You guys need to tune in. Going down this Saturday. This Saturday is going to go down. Um, a Showtime pay-per-view. You could also order it via The Zone. Um, I'm not sure yet which provider I'm going to use. Because I think to order it on The Zone, I think I need a The Zone subscription. But then you could order the pay-per-view at half price or something like that. But that's that's kind of lame. I don't know. I don't mind a DAZN subscription. But <clears throat> So I'm probably going to order it via uh, PBC or Showtime. Not sure yet. But um, this is going to be a banging-ass fight, guys. This is one of the biggest fights of the year. Along with Ryan King Rai Garcia and Gervonta Tank Davis going down next month. April 22nd. I got to tell you, April is going to be a very interesting month, man. Between WrestleMania and that fight that I mentioned and WWE potentially getting sold to the Saudis or to somebody. um, It's going to be a very, very interesting month, to say the least. But guys, David Benavides, Caleb Plant, my prediction is the same. My prediction is the same. Um, I think David Benavides is gonna knock Plant out. I really do. I think I think Caleb Plant, he's he's most likely the better boxer than Benavides. He's most likely the better boxer. This is a guy who was outboxing Canelo up until he got knocked out. So he's no doubt probably a better fi- uh, boxer than Benavides. But Benavides is just too strong, bro. He's too big, too strong. Uh, and too ferocious. It's like I said, man. F- Fernando Vargas, his his alias back in the day was El Feroz, the ferocious Fernando Vargas. But the real ferocious one is David Benavides. That should be his nickname. Honestly, Mexican Monster is cool, but his nickname should be Ferocious David Benavides, because that f- that dude really is ferocious. And I see him knocking Caleb Plant out. I'm not going to predict what round. I don't do that. I, I never do good in those, um, picking the rounds. But um, but it is going to be a, probably a stoppage. I, I, like, I don't think, you know, David Benavides does have good power. <clears throat> but I don't really see him doing a lot of, like, one-hit KOs. I see him overwhelming all of his opponents because of his accuracy. Um, you know, he's not a caveman like an Antonio Margarito who just throws a bunch of punches all over the place, throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks. No, Benavidez is pinpoint accurate. He's throwing all these punches all over the place, but they're all landing. That's the difference maker. 
they're not just hitting arms and forearms and elbows. <clears throat> you know, his punches, they're, they're actually landing. And then when he goes to the body, <clears throat> goodbye. Yes, too. It's over. Um, you know what I mean? That's, he's, he's making deposits into the bank when he hits that body. Um, yeah, man, I, I don't think Caleb Plant is going to be able to sustain his technical prowess in the 12-round fight because I think David Benavides is going to be too much for Caleb Plant. But only time will tell. We don't have a whole lot longer to wait, y'all. This Saturday, it's going down. And um, I am super pumped, super excited. Um, they both showed a whole nother demeanor at, at the last press conference, man. Like I said, Caleb Plant looking a lot more uh, aggressive. And Benavidez actually looking to be more chill and relaxed in the final press conference. So, wow. It's, it's going to be crazy, y'all. It's going to go down. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you very much for joining me on this episode of the Highlight Reel, episode 98. And uh, it's going down, man. I know I was running down everything very quickly. It's actually late over here right now. It's 10.42 at night as of this recording. And I got to get my ass up super early in the morning to take my ass to work. <laughs> so that's why this episode was kind of half-assed, but... Um, I'm, I'm giving it to you straight, y'all, full transparency, but we'll be back for the subsequent Dynamite review next week, and um, it should be a good show. It's going to pop off. Thank you very much, guys. Wash your hands. Wash your ass. Tip your waitresses. Please tip your Lyft drivers. And as I always say, live life on cruise control, because sometimes you get farther when you take it slow. Mouching.